Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. Happy New Year, Mark. Oh, Happy New Year. So I actually, this is exactly what I want to talk about. Great. We're on the same page. It is the first day of the 2012. We're going to have to get used to saying that. And potentially, Mm. if you listen to, uh, well, some folks that seem to be worried about these things, uh, the last year of humankind. Oh, is this because of the Mayan calendar? Among other things, I think that there's corroborating evidence uh, for those that look for evidence of these things. I'm not going to be hiding in my basement, no. cowering in fear. I don't know what the, the what, what you know if the world's going to end in 2012. What's what, you know what what do you do to get ready for the end of the world? I don't know. Um, if if I'm yeah. going to be dead, I, I and nobody's going to be there to pay out life insurance. What is the big what's the big deal? <laughs> right. I guess all we can do is just you know try to always live our lives in a way that we're happy at any moment, so we have no regrets or whatever. I, I suppose that's reasonably good advice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I, don't, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't worry about the world ending. At this point, we can be certain that we're all going to see the end of the world, at least our world. At our world, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, right. you know, I guess you should live that as, that, as though that's an expectation. Mm. Um, I think that there's things you can do to plan for your own demise while other people go on. Um, and, you know, you, one attempts to do those things, and, and that's about it. Sure. I don't know what else. You can call in and talk about it. Get some wise food storage, right? Right. I mean, you know, it's, if, if something bad happens, it's good to have food. If you're dead, you don't need food. Yes. Somebody else may need it. You become food. It's wisefoodstorage.com. As a matter of fact, that's a sponsor of the show and uh, what I've done to uh, prepare for, you know, something bad, I suppose. Um, you know, Stephanie, you did the Saturday, uh, the, the, excuse me, the Sunday show, which was also happened to be Christmas uh, yes. last week. Yeah, that's yourself. right. Well, well it wasn't by, by myself. Julia was there with without me. Without me, I should say. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. In a world without me. <laughs> well, I was down in, in Florida vacating. We, we had a great time, but, you know, I, of course, I always miss you, Mark, when, Thank you, you. when Thank you're you gone. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I was down in Florida vacating, and, and I was listening to a lot of radio um, in town. One of the radio stations they, they have in, in Sarasota, Florida, where I'm from, is... The um, that's one of the Salem broadcasting network. Kind okay, of, uh, yeah, they're a large chain, right? Yeah, yeah, and they do the 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 very sort of socially conservative, fiscally conservative, very ultra right wingy uh, Republican talk. Oh, um, fun, goody goody. <laughs> and I listened to a lot of this. Um, and one thing I found that um, you know must be true because it was said over and over again is there's a war on Christmas, and. You know, I think that this is a fallacious idea <laughs> that there's a war on Christmas, and I, I it was brought to me my um, brought to my mind when I had a telephone conversation with a, a woman this week, and it mm-hmm. was uh, I was looking for an addition to my tropical fish tank, um, a little craw, oh. a little crawdad. Um, they <laughs> come in different cute. colors, and uh, you know, they, there's one there was one on uh, eBay or whatever that I found out about. It was blue, and mm-hmm. um, you know, they're neat. It's yeah, a neat little addition. That, that sounds really neat. And uh, you know, so I'm going to make a generalization here, and that generalization is Chinese people love tropical fish. Um, and you'll often find that they're very, uh, Chinese people or restaurants. Cause I see them a lot in Chinese restaurants. I can only say this is my generalization. (laughs) Surely there are Chinese people out there that don't like tropical fish, but I would say as a whole, Chinese people tend to like tropical fish significantly more. There's a lot of fish in, in art, you know, in, in a lot of the like Asian art, Yeah, but 
I don't know what that means. I, I'd feel hesitant to generalize. <laughs> so the lady that I spoke to um, was, I, I believe, of, of a Chinese ethnicity. Okay. Just, just, I'm just guessing over the phone. And the thing that she said to me just before I got off the phone was, Happy New Year! As if it was really, like, this seemed really important to her. Uh-huh. And I know that, the, the, you know, that Asians tend to, to celebrate New Year significantly more than we do over here. Like, it's well, a big in, deal. Lots in Japan, of in Japan, it is one of the only holidays that they have, like, officially, like, I think, I think stores come from, uh, uh, excuse me, are closed from, like, the first to the third and uh, that's what my Japanese friends and coworkers have told me anyways, and that they don't really take time off like that at any other time of the year. However, there is the Chinese New Year, which is different than the uh, it is. American and I, New I Year. I think she was trying to connect with me. Okay. By you know, wishing me Happy New Year on my kind of weird, uh, weird round eye New Year. You know, and I, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just being silly wow. here. Um, <laughs> you know, she – so uh, – you know, and what it what it gave me the opportunity to do was look into the world briefly of uh, somebody who takes a holiday that I don't take seriously, um, and you know what it was like for them. And mm-hmm. so I said thanks, same to you, mm-hmm. and just sort of went about my way. And this is generally what I do with folks uh, on Christmas too. You know, thanks, same to you. I participate in Christmas. I'm not going to tell my son he can't get presents or um, you know that there's you know no tree. I'm not going to be in any house with a tree. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't take this kind of uh, <laughs> stance, but. My religion says that, uh, you know, we don't celebrate one day over another, that, uh, you know, they're all sort of equal in God's eyes. And um, therefore, you know, it, it's silly to, uh, you know, celebrate Jesus on one day rather than celebrate him on many or whatever, whatever you call God. Um, okay. And well, this you could say the same thing about New Year, because like if you think about it, like every second, every second is a new year from a year ago. So and one second ago, it's an arbitrary demarcation yeah. of the travel of the traveling of this clot of dirt around its star. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and it's not even accurate either. You know, <laughs> you're, you're you know, it's more than 365 by like point. It's a quarter of a know, day or something. something like yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's fine. Um, you know, I looked at this and, and that 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 sort of thing. But I, I, I was hearing all this railing on the uh, the the war on Christmas, the war on Christmas and, you know, how it's uh, shaking the foundations of Western culture and, and that kind of things. And it's it wow. says to me, you know, where, where is the historical if that's the case and where's the historical context for Christian groups like the Quakers, the Mennonites, the Amish, um, the Seventh-day Adventists, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, these people that don't celebrate Christmas. Because mm. it seems to be, you know, this is what I was listening to on this in this radio group, that the Christians claim Christmas. You must say Christmas, not happy holidays. If you're saying happy holidays, you're somehow undermining America, America wow. or something. And- well, you know, I okay, as I understand it, Americans are 75% or so identify as Christian. Okay. So assume that they all s- celebrate Christmas. And they don't. And they don't, exactly. <laughs> that still means that at least a quarter of people don't celebrate or maybe even acknowledge Christmas. So, I mean, that's not just a minority, but it's a pretty significant minority. So I don't see where there's some kind of obligation to wish everybody a happy Christmas or Merry, Merry Christmas. Yes, see how much I say this. <laughs> When it, there's a one in four chance that somebody doesn't celebrate Christmas. Right. So I guess what uh, – so one can say whatever one wishes. One can say, uh, you know, that happy Groundhog's Day and they yeah. can make a big deal about it if they and, wish. And some people don't care. They're just happy that somebody wished them a 
you know, yeah. well, and right? It's, it's fine. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to have a long conversation with, uh, with, with the average person about Christmas and what they think, but isn't it okay for a person who has wished, you know, some particular holiday that they don't celebrate to say, I don't celebrate that. Yeah. I had a, a friend of mine's mother, um, who's Jewish, mm-hmm. say, when I wished, I, I don't know, some convert, I may have said Merry Christmas. I don't know what I said to the lady. Mm. Um, and she said, I don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. She said that. Okay. I know. Is, I you, was raised I was raised Jewish, and at the synagogue, it was almost like supposed to be a form of activism to say, when somebody wishes you a Merry Christmas, to say, well, I don't celebrate Christmas, you know, because it, like, I don't know, increases visibility or something for people who who are non Christmas goers or whatever. Right. Well, I mean, if it's if it's activism to say Merry Christmas, and you'd think it was by this uh, the, <laughs> right. the group of radio folks that I was listening to, then isn't it activism and and legitimate activism to say something like I don't celebrate it? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, one can say whatever one wishes. If it's wished to them, it's their wish. Uh, they can do what they wish with it. And I just wonder, you know, what. Is it is it okay to say, well, you know, if somebody wishes you Merry Christmas, is it okay that, then to say I don't celebrate Christmas? Mm-hmm. And if that's said enough times to a business, then is it okay for that business to just say as a policy, well, we just say Happy Holidays in order to keep the folk keep folks the the larger a larger amount of people happy. Wonder what the listeners think. Yeah, eight five five four five zero three seven three three Free Talk Lives Live Sunday Edition eight five five four five zero three. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at WeUseCoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at SpendBitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via SpendBitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at AU.SpendBitcoins.com. Once again, that's SpendBitcoins.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday edition. Really? It's true? It's the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about, but... uh I guess we've been talking about the the the, the war on Christmas. Uh, you know, I have some some reflections on the holiday season. Real quick, uh, Stephanie, tell me about the Liberty Forum. Well, did you know that the Free State Project is having a gathering from February twenty third to the twenty sixth? That's uh, coming up in like seven weeks, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty soon. Pretty soon, yeah. So it's getting close, and I'm getting really excited because I like uh, Pork Fest. You know, if you if you enjoy that gathering together with other liberty minded people in the same place and this is uh, one of the largest liberty gatherings in the, in the world here in new hampshire right in the heart of winter yeah definitely and so you know if you if you've been thinking about visiting new hampshire you want to see what it's like at the so-called worst time of the year you want to see what what kind of snow you have to contend with you um, it's a great opportunity to do that my favorite part is always the people and just having great conversations staying up late talking to people it's but convention style yeah. yeah, yeah. It's in a hotel in the, the Nashua Crown Plaza. But there's also so many great speeches. I think um, Carlos Miller is going to be there. Photography is not a crime. If you're interested in uh, citizen journalism. I'm excited about uh, meeting Carlos. Yeah, Peter Schiff, um, Prax Girl, Jody Emery, uh, lots of great speakers. Um, and uh, I believe the keynote is um, Joel Salatin. 
That's right. One of the keynotes should be a should be a great convention. And he folks, wants to talk about how you can succeed in uh, farming, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know, just food freedom in general, which is a huge topic these mm. days. Yeah, you can go to uh, freestateproject.org/slash/libertyforum and uh, use coupon code FTL2012 to get ten percent off. It's a uh, great, and we'll be broadcasting there. Love to see you. It's uh, freestateproject.org/slash/libertyforum. Correct. And uh, free talk law. Excuse me. FTL2012 is the uh, is, is the coupon code. So let's go to Alex in Marysville, Tennessee. Wants to talk about the war on Christmas with us. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hi. Uh, I was kind of, I guess, follow along the same vein that you guys have been going on. Um, these people who talk about this war on Christmas stuff, um, they have such a short view of their own history that they don't even. <laughs> I mean, when the Puritans first came over, they made Christmas illegal mm. because they <laughs> they believed there was too much reverie and too much fun. And, and, <laughs> yeah, too much fun, basically, um, for uh, for that to go on. And you mentioned um, all the uh, various denominations that don't actually celebrate Christmas, and I think generally some of their excuses are somewhat no, not excuses, their reasons. They're uh, for not celebrating Christmas, or you know, they're probably not the not too much fun, but could be somewhat similar to the reasons the Puritans had. It just what we have as Christmas now in this country really has only started since about the 1820s. Yeah, this is a uh, sort of marketing version of Christmas. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, there, there, it, it is. It does stand to say that um, that that there were always, uh, you know, sort of celebrations this time of year, and that they've kind yeah. of been co-opted by, um, you know, sort of the, the church along the way. Um, there are yeah. several gods prior to Jesus: Osiris, Mithra. Dionysus. There's probably several others that I don't uh, know about, but uh, Krishna, as I understand it, the the, the Hindu god is uh, basically a, the the Hindu spinoff of Jesus. And uh, the, you know, all these people were born of a you know, like of a virgin on December the twenty fifth. You know, they've got the, the oh, whole really? story prior to Jesus. By the way, <laughs> you know, wow. the, so that story came. You know, was was in place. Uh, you know, prior to the uh, the Jesus story coming around, and it's it's very uh, interesting. You know what I learned from the Immaculate Conception? That abstinence is effective ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the you time. Never know. <laughs> uh, and I, I wanted to talk to. Um, Stephanie there about last week when I was listening to you guys, you seem like you, I mean, I'm not even a Christian. I, I love Christmas. I love, you know, I don't feel, you, you guys seem to have like a lot of baggage baggage attached to it. You and Julia last you week. Thought, you thought we were too bah humbug? Yeah, you, you uh, uh, I mean, when I give someone a gift, I don't feel this stress that, oh, I hope they, I hope they like it, you know, that I don't feel that obligation. I give someone a gift because I want to give them a gift. And I, I like I like the fact that we have certain days throughout the year that we've set forth that we can spend with our families. And, um, I mean, it would be better if we had more time like that. But um, with the way uh, we kind of operate economically, I guess we can't. Oftentimes we can't. And I think sure. it's nice that we have a time that we can do that. 
Okay, but yeah, that's that's having, fine with me. I think that's yeah. the best argument for holidays. Um, and because it's, it's a convenient time to to see the people that you don't get to see too often. You know, there's yeah. It's, yeah. It, it gives it demarcates times for certain types of things. Yep. I mean, you know, when would you eat turkey and cranberry sauce and stuffing and gravy if it wasn't for Thanksgiving? And sometimes I, some people you do could that eat at it any time you want. I you mean, can. You could. But, 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 but <laughs> most people gonna, don't. Who's going to make me a turkey? Is what I want to know. And um, you know, generally, <laughs> well, you could always make yourself. Right. Well, you 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 talk in all that empowered language and stuff. I don't turn on that <laughs> that uh, that hot box thing. It could start a fire or something. I'm not sure no. what. Alex, thanks for the call. <laughs> yeah, I get I get what Alex is saying. Um, I I do also just think it's kind of important to bring up. Like I I got some feedback from some other listeners who were. You weren't here last week, Mark. That's but right. We uh, Julia Sounds and like I you, uh, ripped Christmas with no one. <laughs> I wouldn't say we did, but we did bring up the fact that there's a, there can be a lot of stress and even depression and like suicidality associated with the holiday season because there is a lot of social pressure, there's not only, not there. only I mean, to no have like can... a perfect Christmas, like with all the gifts wrapped under the tree and like so, some of these like impossible standards that not everybody can fulfill when maybe in real life they have like family problems or they have financial problems. They don't have enough money to buy a lot of gifts or or an, enough time or or they don't, you know, don't have a good relationship with some family members or something like that. So a lot of people get stressed out around the holidays. And I, I actually did get some feedback from some other listeners who said, you know, thanks for bringing that up because I felt like I was the only one who wasn't into Christmas, Christmas. But then I realized that I wasn't the only one. So. Yeah, I, you know, for me, um, the holidays tend to be, you know, pr- relatively good times. Um, you know, it, I, that's great. A lot of people have stresses around I'm, these. I'm I, all for people being happy. That's, I like that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have the advantage of sort of being able to straddle the, the, the worlds. I, you know, my, my wife isn't interested in Christmas and we don't put up a tree or anything like that. So I can kind of say, oh, I don't celebrate Christmas. But at the same time, certainly my mother and the, uh, the in laws do that. And we, you know, go and, and hang out with them. And my son has a great time. And, and all that stuff. So I get to do both. And Traditions are great when they actually make you happy, but sometimes it's okay to to uh, question traditions that maybe don't make you happy. I think it's okay happy. to question everything. And that's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the talking about the, uh, the, the war on Christmas here that we were talking about. And I want to bring up, um, you know, some some things from different histories that people may not um, be familiar with. Here's I have an article from Friends United Meeting at FUM.org. And this is a, this is a Quaker uh, website. And this is the top 10 early Quaker ways to celebrate the day called Christmas. Okay. And um, let's see, uh, you know, we're going to I'm going to talk about that in a minute here. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's it, it, it gives a view of people that were foundational in the building of this country that we call America today mm. and how they conducted and comported themselves on Christmas. Because I, if, if people care about the war on Christmas, they're probably referring to a historical aspect. And here's here's another view. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live, the live New Year's Day Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. <laughs> Just in case you think we're recording the Sunday edition from some other time. 
Uh, no, we are here live taking your calls at 855-450-3733. And call. we're not even that hungover, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm not hungover at you, all, actually. You don't drink alcohol <laughs> at all? I mean, alcohol Yeah, pretty much not at all. Yeah, pretty much not at all. Yeah, like I'm just you. not really that interested in it. Yeah, I, it I, I have a great time without drinking. But. I, you know, for me, it's events where I was I went to the New Year's celebration, um, you know, here in Keene and I wasn't drinking because it's uh, foggy and it's amateur night. And, you know, you, you know, it's not a good time to drink and then drive home. Yeah. And so I was de- decided not to do that. And, uh, you know, the revelries got beyond my capacity for for fun. And I uh, exited early. Mm hmm. But, you know, what? when it comes to drinking, um, you know, it's only fun to hang out with people who are drunk if you're drunk. You yeah. Know, been drinking or whatever. You, use whatever term you want. I mean, some people define drunk as further along in the process than I do. And, you know. Uh, Why if, is it fun to, to, like, drink so much until you vomit or I don't feel know. I mean, crappy that the next day? You know, yeah. I, I didn't see anything that going like that going on necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But, I but did some see, people do consider that, that fun, right? Some do. I mean, I yeah. think they tend to be younger. They haven't learned <laughs> the Maybe. nuances of imbibing alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we could say, you know, what's often said about this subject on Free Talk Live, which is that, you know, the the U.S. has this artificial age of 21 where they say it's okay for people to drink alcohol. And so kids younger than 21 or people younger than 21 learn that it's like this sexy forbidden fruit taboo and all they want to do is drink it. And then, you know, they don't really learn how to have alcohol responsibly. And then so they kind of go crazy. Right. I mean, basically, by not teaching your kids about the consumption of alcohol, you are nearly guaranteeing nearly there's a small chance that your kid could grow up to be a monk and uh, move to Mount Athos Island <laughs> or something like that. It's not an island. It's a peninsula. Um, but, you know, oh, or but geography. the chances are really, really high that you're leaving that instruction to a pimply faced 14 year old or 15 year old um, on how one should imbibe alcohol. Mm-hmm. I personally am not interested in leaving um, this, this very important area of my life to be of my child's life to be instructed, uh, you know, to him by you know, so people who know nothing. Um, this is yeah. how this is how I was educated in the area of alcohol consumption. This is how I was educated in the area of sex, and this is how I was educated in, frankly, a lot of areas. Um, yeah. You know, and I I don't think it's a particularly good way to get educated about these things. Sure. So, anyway. So well, we were talking about the the war on Christmas, and I was asking you during the break, Mark, what really is the war on Christmas? Because I just don't really completely grasp what that means you and didn't grow up in a christian type household necessarily well exactly and i wonder if it's just me or if other people are, are kind of hazy on the definition of the so-called war on christmas okay so um uh, you know i've got a biased view on this but i'm going to give you the very best uh, way that i can you know let's boil it down to what is the war on christmas great the war on christmas i think is what people are saying is is they want to see the words merry christmas written a lot um, they want to okay. they want to hear them uttered by clerks at stores and they want you know, they want them said to them particularly and to the people who happen to be within earshot of them mm-hmm. whether those people celebrate christmas or not you know whether those people are of the you know say 25% or whatever the population that doesn't celebrate christmas so they want those people told merry christmas whether they like it or not and uh, you know, they, they, it's just an expectation that people are going to do things their way. Secondly, there's another aspect to it is there are people that want to see more pictures of the, the crash, uh, the nativity scene, the baby Jesus thing. So there's these uh, two aspects. Um, okay. You know, some, they, they would, most people would probably be happy with let's just stick with hearing, saying Merry Christmas more often. 
but there's also that sort of then other people aspect. want to put the Christ in Christmas. Yes, back in put Christmas. The Christ back in Christmas. Okay. Um, <laughs> after the Christians stole Christ, stole, stole Christmas from the pagans, they want to put Christ back in. Right. So, because um, yeah, it's important to have that. But I was um, reading a um, you know I was going to read an article here from uh, a friend a Quaker website about what Quakers did uh, in Christmas historically. So here we go, starting at fmu.org. This one's written by, uh, what's this gentleman's name? I actually spoke to him on the phone and got his permission to uh, read his article. Rob Pearson. Oh. Um, he's a, uh, he's a, the clerk of the Oversight and Council at Albuquerque Monthly Meeting. Quakers have lots of titles. Wow. I thought they didn't like titles. Uh, yeah, but the, for a group that doesn't like titles, they have lots of titles. Not, not important <laughs> titles. They're, they're titles of service. <laughs> oh, so, I see. Rob Pearson says, until they uh, got mushy and liberal in the last century, what Quakers didn't celebrate Christmas at all. In fact, celebrating the day called Christmas was a good way for a friend to get him or herself dragged, figuratively, before the monthly meeting and asked for an explanation of such worldly behavior. Wow. As a member of a mushy um, yearly meeting firmly committed to the uh, testimony of holiday ambiguity, I've urged the committee for worrying about change to consider how we might recapture the zeal with which friends did not celebrate the holidays. After painstaking research, combing through friends' journals and late-night talk shows, the committee has gathered the following top ten surefire ways to recover the true meaning of Christmas. Oops, the day called Christmas in the spirit of early friends. Remember, this is written to, by a Quaker to Quakers. And so, okay. you know, some, of the, some of the jokes are, you got to understand they're aimed at Quakers. So one, slaughter hogs. That's how Alice Allen's uh, Quaker ancestor recorded the day in 1882, December the 25th. We killed three hogs. Austin uh, Gray and Tom Brady helped us. We went to meeting in the evening. Weather pleasant with some snow. New Year's Day was equally as festive. <laughs> pa and I loaded two loads of wood into the f- in the forenoon, and after I fixed my boots, it was snowing all day. Unfortunately, uh, fewer friends today slaughter hogs and mend our own sneakers or haul our uh, crude oil, so perhaps we could spend December 25th grilling some turkey burgers and uh, paying utility bills. So that sounds like a blast. <laughs> you know, it just goes to show these Quakers did not look at Christmas as any particular day. And yeah, wanna, it sounds very austere. That's the word that comes to mind. Early Quakers, austere folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and I want to tell you, you know, when, when we get a little further into these, you'll see how the war on Christmas was really fought at these these times. It's very interesting. Hmm. Number two, sell things. That's right. Tis the season for blatant capitalist enterprise. Agorism. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing that early friends agreed upon, it's that there's no better day than December 25th uh, to man the cash registers. And by the way, Quakers would say a 25th day of 12th month. Um, to man cash registers in defiance of both law and custom. Since friends saw Christmas as an unchristian outward ritual foisted upon them, it followed that only godless heathens would close up shop. Celebrate your Quaker heritage by demanding the local mall reopen bright and early Christmas morning or by marketing your seasonal George Fox apps and uh, ringtones for download. George Fox is the uh, um, sort of founder of uh, Quakerism. Okay. Uh, Number three, repair windows. These people are very utilitarian folks. Mm, yeah. No, not the computer operating system, since it's not at all clear what operating system was preferred by early friends. But do recall that many Quakers spent December 25th sweeping up broken glass. 
As George Fox noted in 1689, we've greatly suffered both imprisonments and the spoiling of our goods because we could not observe your holy days, as you call them, and for opening our shops, we've been much assaulted by the rude multitudes. So, if those mass mailings for George uh, Fox apps and ringtones get uh, sent on December 25th, convince neighbors that you're uh, not an antisocial misfit. You're good company. Count your uh, blessings for your uh, physical safety, but check your uh, windows for any more malware. Um, so, I mean, this is the, the attitude of the war on Christmas. I mean, this is what some folks thought in the past is these Quakers are ruining Christmas. So yeah. they throw rocks through people's windows. Oh, that's what the broken window thing means. Yeah. And okay. they'd, uh, they'd throw people in jail for Yikes. it. I was just about to ask if they had trouble from the state because, oh, yes. you know, for a while there... Uh, the state what, and religion were pretty much one until yeah. maybe and it even wasn't a couple hundred years. Yeah. Right. And it, 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 it wasn't only, Qua- only in Pennsylvania. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and or only Rhode for Island, a period right. of time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, because recently there were these like blue laws in a lot of places, right, where you couldn't open stores on Sunday and now it's only pretty much liquor stores, but... And that's the, only in some places. The state used to do this to lots of people, not just Quakers, and so... Yep. Yeah. The state's a convenient tool for people who have religious preferences in order to force them on other folks. Yeah. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. From filmmaker A.I. Wintermute comes the feature-length documentary, Liberty in Our Lifetime. It chronicles the real-life activists who have moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project and the many ways in which they seek to live free but he needs your help to get this important story off the ground. Visit LibertyDocumentary.com, watch the trailer, and find out how you can help bring this film to life. That's LibertyDocumentary.com. Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. I was uh, doing some retrospective on the, the, the war on Christmas. I was uh, When I was down <laughs> in uh, Sarasota, I, um, I was listening to a radio station, and that's all they talked about for the week upcoming. Did, did they like read news articles of things that happened that supported the idea that there is a war on Christmas, or did they just talk about it? And... I don't recall. <sighs> yeah, I don't recall. I mean, you know, they, there always seems to be some sort of corroborative evidence, and I would agree that this culture that is America is getting away from using the terminology Merry Christmas and moving more towards the terminology Happy Holidays or Seasons Greetings or whatever. Mm-hmm. The question I have, I guess, is, is it bad? And um, if there's a, you know, if, if you, I don't know that anybody else is fighting a war except the people that believe, <laughs> I don't think it's a war on Christmas. I yeah. think it's a war against happy holidays. That's what I think it is. I yeah. don't, um, so, you know, whatever. Or maybe a war, uh, a war on diversity. A yeah, lot of people that's... don't like that buzzword diversity, but the fact is it's a reality. There are diverse people that have diverse opinions and things. Sure. So I've heard Dale, uh, former co-host of Free Talk Live before, say that really what he thinks of the war of, on Christmas as is just people lamenting their kind of loss of privilege. You know, they, they, they like to be on the top and have, you know, everybody do what they want. Right. And then 
when they stop doing that, they they say that it's a oppression and it's a war on them and stuff. I don't want to make a generalization, but I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> okay, you made one about Chinese people and fish con- earlier. Conser- conservative <laughs> people <laughs> tend to. Um, be the ones who are talking about this war on Christmas. Yes. And, and I believe that conservatism at its heart, that really what conservatism, especially social conservatism, this is what I'm specifically talking about, yep. is, a la- uh, is, is a lamentation of t- a time past, usually a time at which you were alive, but perhaps that time is, say, the 1950s, you know, Dwight Eisenhower. For a lot and, of people, it seems to be the yeah, 1950s. Powers yeah. and, you know, th- th- that sort of thing. Um, you know, we're just coming out of World War II. The United States is on top. It's a lamentation for a time lost. And that's what I think social conservatism is about. And, what, and, f- and fundamentally, what conservatism seems to largely be about as a result, um, you know, we find conservatives always talking about how things used to be. And... Yep, at, there was a time in the United States when I would say that uh, the the term "Merry Christmas" was was much more widely used and sort of on top. And you could say, um, you know, "Merry Christmas" with uh, with impunity. But I think that other groups have uh, you know gotten their voice. And you were saying that uh, when you went to synagogue or temple or whatever you you people call that. Uh, <laughs> I'd- yeah. <laughs> um, that they it basically encouraged uh, folks to say, "Well, I don't celebrate Christmas." Yeah, I I heard a lot of adults saying that that it was like almost like your duty as a Jew to like say that you don't celebrate Christmas. Just to let people know that there are people out there who don't celebrate Christmas. And it, now you know, um there's been this real movement I guess in America like among Jews to like think of Hanukkah as a holiday that's like equivalent to Christmas or to kind of put it up on par with Christmas, but Really, it's like Hanukkah's it's nothing like Christmas. a very minor holiday, yeah, like Christmas in places is a major like Israel. His, Christian holiday, yeah. um, and Hanukkah is a very minor holiday comparatively yeah. in the uh, sort of the Jewish calendar, yeah. um, as I understand it. Now, it's often been moved towards uh, the limelight because of its proximity to Christmas, but uh, you know, and then there's this made-up holiday Kwanzaa, which was I think made up in the, in the '60s, and then the made-up holiday Festivus, which was made up in the '90s, and um, <laughs> vice. Seinfeld. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, people celebrate Festivus. And <laughs> you know, I have, I have, as far as I'm concerned, they're all made up holidays they because all made up holidays. I don't believe the religious stories that go behind them anyway. But I don't think there's anything wrong with made up holidays. That said, you know, I, I would just say to everybody if you're thinking about your own personal happiness, then follow the traditions that you like, that you enjoy, that make you happy, and leave the ones that you don't, that don't make you happy behind. You know, and I think that this is to some extent what I'm trying to show is because a lot of people will point historically um, about the idea of the, you know, the Merry Christmas thing and the war on Christmas. And I just wanted to point historically that not everybody in the United States or, you know, in the sort of Western world celebrated Christmas, that this is a relatively new thing. Mm. Um, And I'm reading a list of top 10 things that early Quakers did to celebrate Christmas. And it's pretty funny um, from in a sort of dry way. Yeah, it's like a tongue-in-cheek. They they didn't do anything to celebrate Christmas. (laughs) Number five. It's more about like how they're everyday life was back then right and how they got thrown in jail for doing their everyday life yeah now that's the part i find interesting as a libertarian or a person who's interested in freedom yep how the state reacted to their lack of enthusiasm for christmas this one is employ seasonal workers Nothing says Quaker Christmas quite like the hiring of hiring some unemployed seasonal laborers and supervising them a major building project Quakers, Herbert uh, Griffin and William uh, Fortescue, discovered uh, this strategy in the 17th century Barbados. On the 25th of December, the day called Christmas Day, 
Herbert Griffin and uh, William Fortescue standing to inspect some workmen employed about uh, the wall of a burying place where uh, observed by William Goodall, a justice of the peace, as he passed by, who in much anger called to those who were with him saying, is there no constable here? Lay upon these rogues. One suspects wow. the, the workers were grateful for the uh, Quakers' Christmas Day graveyard shift, but this graveyard, uh, but this strategy propelled Herbert and William straight into the top ten item for uh, uh, item number six. So get arrested. Yeah, is somebody what, call the cops. Yep, yeah. right. Quakers did, did very well on Christmas. Is get arrested. Qu- Quaker rogues uh, were arrested and knock, um, these uh, William and Herbert uh, were knocked to the ground and dragged away. Constables locked them in stocks and then sent them to jail for four weeks before re- releasing them and promptly re-imprisoning them for six more weeks. A jury trial set uh, William and Herbert free just long enough for the judge to set aside the verdict of the jury trial and throw them back in jail. A second trial in October found in October. This was done, started, you know, this whole ordeal started in December. Oh, and then it, like almost a year later, yeah. they finally got around to trying them. They found them both men innocent again, since neither had tools in hand at uh, the time of the heinous Christmas wall building. One um, suspects that few of us are going to jail for committing Christmas this uh, season, but um, perhaps there are still some rogue Quakers to be found, laborers to be employed, walls that need building to tear down around this world this holiday season. And number seven uh, things the Quakers did was avoid frolic. This is something Quakers do quite well. They avoid used to be, frolic. Used to be I quite can't sober, say I folks. support that one. I support building walls. I support working and do, if that's what you want to do, but not frolicking. Can't be- get behind that one. Gotta say, the young John Woolman complained of being much troubled by the behavior. This is John Woolman, the guy who almost is attributed to the idea of the abolitionist movement. I mean, basically, he gets the uh, the credit to some extent for creating the idea of sort of abolition of slavery. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, That's yeah, this cool. is this is the guy. So um, there are basically three Quakers of huge note. That's George Fox, William Penn, and John Woolman. What about? Um Mary uh, Dyer, maybe yeah. Yeah, Mary uh, Dyer is the one that was executed uh, yes. b- by the uh, Puritans yes. for basically being a Quaker yeah. um, uh, in Boston. Um, okay, she gets number four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, avoid frolic. A young John, John Woolman complained of being much troubled by the behavior of his fellow Americans. I observed many people from this country and the dwellers in town, and Quakers tend to live sort of by them, uh, you know, selves and groups who, resorting to public houses, spent their time in drinking and vain sports. Luckily, Woolman missed the advent of a happy hour, ESPN and uh, big screen TVs. Still, when he, uh, uh, when he visited Blackwater, Virginia in December 1817, he seemed to find most friends out at the mall. Uh, there were but few friends, and it being the time called Christmas, many were preparing for their intended frolic. So he was he was shocked at the idea that some Quakers might celebrate Christmas. Um, so, you know, I, all I'm all I'm trying to say on this uh, this war on Christmas conversation that seems to go on every year ad infinitum um, yeah. is, hey, don't take yourself quite so seriously. <laughs> don't take your history quite so seriously because there's other people's history out there. And remember that this kind of social conservative attitude can result in things like what we see here, where Quakers were getting beaten, thrown in jail, locked in the stocks. Oh, uh, for sure. You know, Im- Im- imprisoned and, and, and dr- brought to trial, all for what some people's idea of what you should do and say on a particular day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And 
not to add to that, you know, I think that the people who kind of look back on the 1950s or some other time period in history as like the good old days or why can't we just go back to that kind of time? I don't think a lot of those people consider some of the things like maybe what it was like to be gay in the 1950s or to be a woman or to be some other minority, you know. I was uh, listening to Or him. to be black, you know? Yeah. And a lot of these in things, the right? <laughs> there were a lot of things that it wasn't so cool to be in the 1950s, no doubt. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's been some advances in that era. I think that there's been some um, some steps back in, in America, too, that if we could sort of combine some of the freedom uh, that was had with some of the advances that have been had in the area of freedom, that we would probably have a lot more freedom. Yeah. But... You know, one needs to keep a um, a level head about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's a t- an attack to say. Free Talk Live, eight fifty five four fifty three. It's a sacral toll free call in line here on the live. New Year's Eve edition. New Year's Day. New Year's Day. Excuse me. <laughs> New Year's and seems like Eve should just follow us up. New Year's Day edition of Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to do. Talk about yeah, That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. It's an interactive program. And uh, you can call in, talk about whatever you want. Uh, 855-450-3733. Also, bear in mind, you can go to the website at freetalklive.com and uh, post whatever you want. There are uh, you know space for news items or uh, videos, blog posts, whatever you'd like. People can vote them up, vote them down. And there'll be uh, you know all the eyes that uh, hit freetalklive.com, which is large. Let me tell you, uh, we'll we'll see your news story if it gets voted to the top. It's uh, freetalklive.com. So, Stephanie, I you know that the the you know center on many people's minds right now is the presidential run. In two days, they will be voting. Yes caucusing in uh, Iowa. It seems like there's kind of a mania going around with so many people getting excited about it and news stories and stuff. I tried not to get caught up in it and uh, you know I kind of try not to pay too much attention to it but, but it's you do, un- do a radio show and yeah, makes- <laughs> yeah. and it's undeniable that it's out there. Yeah, but I heard you have some some story that you wanted me to hear for the first time, right. live on the air, and get my reaction. To right, I won't. Uh, I, 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 I'm not going to sh- share um, the story with you until uh, you know. I, I wasn't going to share it ahead of time, but it's um, it's interesting. And you know, there's uh, what's been interesting about this uh, race is you know some candidates are up, some and then they're down, and then they've stayed down all the way through. So Mich- Michelle Bachman, I think, was the first one to spike. Yeah, and then what Herman Cain spiked after her. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me if I'm forgetting somebody. Rick Perry, um, right? Rick Perry, yeah, he spiked after Michelle. Bachman before Herman Cain. You're right. Yeah. And um, then Newt Gingrich spiked and it looks like he's trailing off now. And yeah, um, another one is uh, spiking out there. And I want to read you a story about this guy and, and get your reaction and the reaction. of and anybody. This, is, this is not Ron Paul, right? This is not Ron Paul. This is uh, um, what, what, what Rick Santorum. OK. And. I want to get your reaction to this story as, you know, sort of a genuine way. Now, I admit that I'm not a big fan of Rick Santorum, but this this is sort of a humanizing story about him. Okay, And I want to know what other people think about it. Okay, because it my ears are open. (laughs) It borderlines on weird. Hmm. So Senator Rick sent this is from um, April the 18th, 2005 Washington Post article. 
Um, this is a long and exhaustive article on Rick Santorum and you know his politics, his um, him as a man. Um, it gets you know very biographic. I read the whole thing start to finish to make sure I didn't want to miss anything. But I'm really going to concentrate on uh, the first couple of paragraphs. Here. Do you want to know my opinion of Rick Santorum before? You read this and it can't be any different than mine, but go right ahead. <laughs> well, f- from what I understand, I I know that he's extremely anti-gay, and so I I disagree with that. He's a very social conservative guy. Yes, yeah. he's he's like a Christian social conservative, mm-hmm. and he also favors a lot of big government policies. He he's pro-war. Um, he I know he's he's asked Ron Paul I think before about war and kind of tried to call him out as, you know, you're against us because you're not with us, that yeah. kind of thing. In the war He's trying to paint uh, Ron Paul as uh, more left than Barack Obama um, because of his uh, views on returning the military. Uh, it, Ron Paul's views aren't actually anti-war. They're anti-expansionist. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, he, I, he would be according to what he said, for a war that was, uh, you know, perpetrated against the United States. And I think he actually mm-hmm. supported the Afghanistan um, evasion initially. Mm-hmm. But it is a great example of what happens when, you know, perhaps a, you know, something that made more sense at one time just keeps going and going. And then there's no clear, oh, yeah. no clear, uh, you know, goal in mind, that kind of thing. And the other thing, the only other thing that I know about Rick Santorum is be- is that the, uh, Sex advice columnist Dan Savage coined a term Santorum that yes. is a uh, it's not PG-13. So yeah. <laughs> if you want to know what it means, you You'd can have to go- search Google. for it. But it is actually that term. Dan Savage's definition of Santorum has eclipsed um, the real search term in yes. Google results has re- eclipsed people looking for his political stuff and it's things called like a Google that. bomb. Yeah. <laughs> and what they, what he did was basically, you know, have enough links. They used Google as a search engine and the way to make Santorum mean something that's uh, scatological in nature. Yeah. And uh, mildly funny if you uh, don't like uh, Santorum's uh, policies, but, and that was a response because Dan Savage is gay and he, you know, that was a response to Santorum's like extremely wanting to use the government to, uh, to make anti-gay policies, basically. Right. And he's, his opinion is, uh, Santorum's opinion is essentially that if you can't use the government to, uh, um, you know, make marriage between a man and a woman, then you can't uh, outlaw things like, um, be- if you can't outlaw sodomy, that's what he said. If you can't outlaw sodomy, then you can't outlaw um, uh, incest. You can't outlaw uh, bigamy. And you can't all outlaw several other things. Oh, and- so he's trotting that out, like, you know, comparing, oh, if, if gays can get married, then next people will be wanting to marry their dogs. Well, and- this was, in this case, it was actually sex. It wasn't uh, marriage. It was uh, <laughs> talking about sodomy and in defense yeah. of a, so- a Texas sodomy I mean, law that, that, that is the worst kind of, of authoritarianism. Someone who wants to control what, what kind of sex you can have and to use the government to enforce that is very scary. I mean, even if you don't agree with if if you find certain sex acts distasteful or whatever, I know some people do think about what it would take to enforce those. You know, you would have to have the bedroom police or you would really the the way it would really probably come down is that neighbors would be snitching on their neighbors. Mm. And this actually happened. Those two guys living together. They might not just be roommates. Right. You know, we're going to have to call the cops. On just, them. just what we need. <laughs> so here's a story uh, about Rick Santorum and his life. And. I am going to reserve judgment on this because I'm not sure what I think entirely about this. Um, And I want to hear what you and the other listeners have to say about this particular. So let's try to clear our mind of our thoughts on Santorum and just read this. (laughs) In his Senate office on a shelf next to a 
autographed baseball. This is, did I say it was written by Mark, uh, Mark Leibowitz from the uh, Washington Don't Post? Don't think so. Okay. Um, next to a, an autographed baseball, Rick Santorum keeps a framed photo of his son Gabriel, Michael, the fourth of his seven children. Named for two archangels, Gabriel and Michael, born prematurely mm-hmm. at 20 weeks. So you are just very, very premature at child. 20, 20 weeks. weeks? Very, very so small. Did they not survive? I mean... On October the 11th, 1996, and lived two hours yeah. outside of the womb. Yeah. Upon their son's death, Rick and Karen Centorum opted not to bring his body to a funeral home. Instead, they bundled him in a blanket and drove him to Karen's parents' home in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. There, they spent several hours kissing and cuddling Gabriel with his uh, three siblings, ages six, four, and one and a half. They took photos, sang lullabies in his ear, and held a private mass. That's my little guy, Santorum says, pointing to the photo of Gabriel in which his uh, tiny physique is framed by his father's hand. The senator often speaks of his late son in the, pa- in the present tense. It's a rare instance in which he talks softly um, about his son. He and Karen brought Gabriel's uh, body home so their children could absorb and understand that they had a brother. Uh, so that way he would seem real, not an abstraction, he says. It's not a fetus either, as uh, Rick and Karen were uh, appalled to see him described in the hospital uh, uh, paperwork. Karen Centorum, a former nurse, wrote letters to her son during pregnancy and after her pregnancy, and she compiled them to a book, Letters to Gabriel, a collection of prayers, Bible passages, and a chronicle of prenatal complications that led to Gabriel's premature delivery. At one point, her doctor raised a perspective of an abortion, and uh, Karen opted, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, option uh, Karen ridicules in letters to Gabriel, and they talk about partial birth abortion, that kind of thing. And apparently, at uh, some point, they um, actually took the child to the, 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 the body, uh, the, the fetus. I'm, I'm not sure what uh, term to use here. Baby, uh, the body of the baby to bed and slept with it that evening. And then, um, you know, had the funeral mm-hmm. the next day. Mm-hmm. And I can only having one child, I can only imagine what this must be like. A lot of uh, horrible tragedy. Yeah. yeah. A, a lot of families don't survive a, um, the death of a child. Now, usually it's uh you know, not a child that's uh, you know stillborn. I guess is the term here. Well, was it? They weren't really stillborn, though. They survived for a couple hours. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know what to say. How, Ex- how, how um, proper terminology? Extremely preterm. Yeah. Infant. Yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering, what is you know, is is this? You know, what do you think? What do you think about the idea of bringing home a uh, you know, and small, small infant yeah. like this that's that's dead and um, you know. Introducing it to the family and sleeping with it overnight. Mm. What's your thought on that um, as, as a parent? Or The state owns the land, but they don't own the water. If they threaten you in your home, you can try to escape their tentacles by packing the car, leaving your house and much you've worked for, and hope to cross their borders. But if you lived on a boat, you weigh anchor and sail away. Not just any boat, a life yacht. It's a stable catamaran as big as a house that purifies its own water, generates its own power, grows its own food, and has a shallow draft to be able to get a car or SUV ashore. You can be involved for $1,000 and a commitment as little as eight months. EricksonCouncil.com Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 
888-346-9373. Call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's Free Talk Live. After all, let me tell you about uh, freedomcam.net. When it comes to potential police abuse or automobile accidents, the important, uh, most important place to protect yourself is, well, driving. Freedomcam.net is a groundbreaking new product that gives you the best all-around protection. It's a GPS black box dash cam, and it's easy to use. Uh, it, the unit has uh, video cameras recording all around inside your vehicle. It also has a built-in microphone and GPS navigation, which records your driving route and speed for traffic stops and um, accidents, all kinds of other driving incidents. Maybe uh, you, maybe you have a, a child that, uh, or you know, a young adult that borrows your car, and you want to keep an eye on it. This is a great way to do these things. Protect yourself. Spy on your kids. If that's what you wish to do. It is your property. (laughs) After all, uh, protect yourself with the ultimate witness at uh, freedomcam.net. It doesn't say that in the copy about spying on your kids, but I, I think it is a use that some people might uh, might have for the the device. Well, you know, a lot of all surveillance technologies, I think, like all technologies in general, can be a double edged sword. You know, like that information that comes out of that cam could be used to incriminate you or it could be used to protect you in some way. And so I, I would just hope that, you know, people use it for the purpose of protecting themselves. When I first got one put in, my wife would often pull the plug on it um, so that it uh, wouldn't be able to record while she was in the vehicle. Um, some people are uncomfortable with that. She's yeah. uncomfortable with the idea of being recorded for some reason or another. I used to tease her about her liaisons and, uh, you know, why she would be uh, <laughs> uh, you know, unplugging it. But you know, as the case may be, I think it's a valuable tool. You never know <laughs> when you're going to be pulled over, and this gives you the um, the tool of you know video and audio. Um, and it, doesn't it record the speed also? Yes. So I re- recently read uh, a couple of news stories about people who posted that they had used um, smartphone apps that recorded their speed to get themselves out of speeding tickets oh, and really? presented them as evidence in court. So I don't know if it would work at any court, but, you know... That, if you are actually uh, obeying the government speed limit, which not everybody does, but if you are doing that, it is possible that maybe this could help you. It, it, you know, it to could. have your speed recorded. I, you know, whenever I've been accused of speeding, it's likely I was doing it, so uh, that wasn't uh, wouldn't be particularly useful. Right? For me. Yes, yes. <laughs> it could help you if that was the the circumstance. I've just never had that circumstance come up, but I have had circumstances where I would have liked to have uh, had the video um, of. Uh, you know, or certainly seen other people that you know had video of police stops and that kind of thing, and it's extraordinarily valuable in those uh, circumstances. I think speed limits are one of the laws that pretty much no one follows all the time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they're just there for revenue generation, and they're set yeah. artificially low so they can catch yeah. people. That that kind of thing. I mean, but it also serves to kind of show people to illustrate the point that you know not everybody follows every law at. At all times, and society isn't breaking down. Right. You know. That the, the, the rule of law is not being upheld, but yeah. somehow or another, um, you know, things go on. I was, I drove down to Florida to take my wife and child down for their, you know, she, she snowbirds, and uh, mm-hmm. he goes with her wherever she goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was noticing that it's those, you know, oftentimes those folks that are going the speed limit on the interstate. Create a bottleneck that causes people to try to, you know, pass them in a less mm. th- less than safe way and that kind of thing. And I sure. and I really wonder, you know, do do speed limits, especially on the interstate, cause more accidents than they, um, you know, kill more people than they save or whatever? I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't say. I think it's uh, very interesting though. So in the last segment, we were talking about uh, Rick Santorum and a situation that he, that happened in his family. 
pre-2005. And I've got to say, uh, Stephanie, when I read this story, I was gobstopped. I couldn't believe what I had read about the, the family taking home um, the 20-week-old if, if, you know, baby that uh, was born mm-hmm. and lived briefly, and then uh, how they took him home, and uh, I guess they they brought the home uh, the baby born prematurely, who lived only two hours. He his wife brought and child brought um, home and introduced the dead infant to the rest of the of their children. As your brother Gabriel, uh, they spent several hours kissing and cuddling Gabriel with his uh, three siblings, um, and then they slept with the body overnight. Um, Rick and and his wife did, and. You know, I'm not trying to vilify him in this circumstance, but it really surprised me. I, this isn't the way things would go in my life. Um, you know, I was yeah. raised differently, and I understand that there are different cultures out there. And I was wondering, you know, what are other? I mean, to me, I was just stupefied by this. I mean, this guy's a front runner now. Is this weird behavior that we don't want from a president, or is this sort of, you know, is this within the realm of normal? What do you think? It's. It's not my style. Like, it's not something that I would do. Mm-hmm. However, I wouldn't want to prohibit him from doing this. Sure. And I think that... I wouldn't either, but... I think that a good case could be made that they were probably violating some laws by doing this. I suppose. It wouldn't matter to me whether he broke laws or not. Well, no, it doesn't matter to me either. But the point is that, you know, he wants to use the government to create a lot of these laws and... Um, you know, the freedom, but it's okay for him to break He should have the freedom to, to do them. this, and yeah. so therefore other people should have the freedom to do other things. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, it's it's just a tragedy. Like I, I'm sure it it could help them say goodbye and accept their loss of this child that they thought they were going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I also don't think it should be used as a way to um, maybe vilify people who choose to end pregnancies that are danger, like that are just not going to work out. You know what I mean? And there are a lot of natural cases where babies are not born at term as planned and, you know, perfectly healthy, right? There are a lot of cases of spontaneous abortion, so-called, where, you know, a fetus just dies or doesn't make it for some reason. And it's really sad. It really is. But sometimes that just happens, right? Yeah. And it, it's, it kind of seemed like in this story, there might have been little undertones. Like the, 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 um, the mother wrote letters to um, the memory of her son mm-hmm. saying that, you it know. It was clearly some, a, a very tragic uh, happening in their family. Yeah. It, it just seemed like this might have been a way to get like information out about how they would would never condone abortion or something like that. I don't and, know. I'm, you know, uh, you know I, I frankly find abortion to be the ending of human life. I don't know what else to call it. Um, you sure. know, I don't think that the, I don't think that pro- prohibition of abortions worked particularly well um, when we had it in the past. And no. I think that there there needs to be other ways to go go about uh, handling that circumstance. But if people believe like I do that uh, abortion is the ending of human life, then they should t- step up. Get involved in the foster care, uh, uh, foster parent programs in their towns. Uh, or know, how about how about try to be of, become, you know, activists about educating people about birth control. Uh, you know, things, all kinds sex of education, um, and, and you know, all kinds of different ways that people could be involved. But this is this particular incident is being used. This was at Allen dot com, Allen Combs's website, and it says here that uh, um, with the prospect of former Pennsylvania Senator Rick Santorum running for president. Uh, former Bush advisor Mark McKinnon is uh, scared by the thought of such a possibility. 
Santorum, and this is a quote from, uh, I guess, Mark McKinnon here. Santorum represents, in my view, much of what's wrong in the Republican Party. While I disagree with him on some fundamental issues, what I'm much more concerned with is a lack of character. And then there's this uh, little-known tidbit. I'm a pretty tolerant guy, but beyond this ide- ideology, some of Santorum's behavior is just a little bizarre. And then they talk about the incident with the child. And mm. I, I wonder, is, is, this as, is this legitimate to use this as a bludgeon against this candidate? And I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, was I think his policies are bad enough. Eight five five four five zero three seven three seven. Free Talk Live eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the take SACL toll free call in line. I'm just messing up that phone number all. All night tonight, 855-450-3733. You can call in toll-free and use SACL CAI's line that they sponsor for us here at Free Talk Live, and we thank them very much for it. Also, if you happen to smoke cigarettes, think about the e-cigarette for a minute. This is a device that will deliver nicotine to you that you can, well... Use, I guess you could call it smoke. Uh, it's actually vaporized. It's a vaporizer. You can vaporize anywhere. You don't have to stand out by the uh, dumpster in the rain and snow. And um, you can sit in your office and do this because there's no odor. It doesn't make your clothes stink. It's healthier for you, like twenty two thousand times healthier, which is a huge number. That's by one metric. Um, there, but it, I, I think that there's little dispute that it is uh, healthier for you than cigarettes. And you'll save a lot of money. It's significantly cheaper uh, than smoking cigarettes. You can get 40 cartomizers for um, about 70 bucks, And they'll throw in one of the best-made e-cigarettes in the market today completely free. It's got a uh, oversized or uh, big big uh, vapor uh, vaporizer in it uh, and has a booster so that you get a nice pull on it when you uh, do so. You can go to vaporsmiths.com. Use coupon code FTL. Buy the 40 cartomizers, and you'll get free shipping and uh, a free starter kit. Also, you can use the telephone number 855-2-GET-VAPOR if you don't like vaporsmiths.com, you know, the website, or you don't have a, we- a computer, whatever. Uh, be sure to use coupon code FTL so they know where you heard it from, and you can get that uh, good deal of the, the, the free starter kit and free shipping. It's 855-2-GET-VAPOR, vaporsmiths.com. You know, Mark, I wrote an article for the Freedom's Phoenix Phoenix magazine mm-hmm. that's coming out in January. And the, the theme was um, future predictions for 2012. And one of my predictions was that e-cigarettes will continue to help people um, quit smoking the vastly more harmful tobacco cigarettes. Yes. Um, even if you don't quit entirely, um, you know, using uh, nicotine or whatever, at the very least, you'll probably diminish um, your, your use of cigarettes and f- smoking fewer cigarettes is better for you. I think sure. everybody can agree on that. So, um, you know, unless you live in Boston and the government wants to ban them. Yeah, there's cigarettes. Uh, there then you some, become an outlaw, a scofflaw. There, there certainly are some governmental a- agencies that uh, find this disturbing. Um, and well, that's because they uh, they don't have to look at anything sciencey. They can just pass whatever law they want. That's the advantage of working for the government. Uh, you never have to say you're sorry. Let's go to Jay in Newport News, Virginia. Uh, he wants to talk about this uh, Santorum thing. Jay, you're on Free Talk Live. What's what's on your mind? Uh, Mark, it's uh, great to be able to talk to you. Sure. Welcome. That's what we do here on Free yeah, Talk Live. I uh, almost consider yourself and your buddy and his uh, distant cousins of mine. <laughs> for about four years and uh, really uh, 
kind of sold me on those ideas of liberty you push. Um, Excellent. First time I actually turned on your studio cam. Who else is in there with you? Uh, Stephanie, my co-host, and uh, actually we have uh, Mandrick sitting off to the side here. He's kind of uh, Stephanie's valet. He goes wherever she does. (laughs) (laughs) And he sells baklava uh, on the internet. That's right, (laughs) mandrick.com. Oh, great, great to actually see all you for the first time. I've heard you for, like I said, I've been listening for about four years. I'll wave to you uh, right now, Jay. (laughs) That is at cam.freetalklive.com. You can see what's going on in the studio, just like yeah, Jay is. This is the first. It's, um, I know you don't like the plugs, but uh, I've been listening to you, like I said, for quite a while, and it's uh, good to finally put faces with names. You know, when you hey, um, listen to uh, people on the radio, comment. you develop a relationship with them. So it's, very, it's a very interesting sort of one-sided relationship. <laughs> you know who I am. You've listened to me for a very oh, yeah. long time. And, you but know, you I don't have, know who they I've are. I've never met but you, Jay. And so it's, it's interesting. I mean, like, you know, this is the, the dynamic of being on the radio. See how vulnerable we are for our listeners. We just put ourselves out there. Vulnerability <laughs> attracts people. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Like I said again, I've uh, been listening to you for a while, and I used to drive around with the the old Ron Paul signs in my uh, back of my car out here in Virginia during the last election. I got a few frowns. A lot of folks curious about what the Ron Paul revolution was, and actually, mm-hmm. I heard a lot of that stuff from you guys. So I kind of got hooked on uh, onto that and um, some of those ideas of liberty that uh, you guys have been pushing. Cool. Not sure if I ever make it up there to uh, New Hampshire, but uh, I'm kind of enjoying myself down here in Virginia. Got to do what's right for um, you. Um, you know, there's uh, all kinds of concern one's has, one has for one's life, and uh, you know, got to do what's best for you. Yeah, and actually, I came to Virginia because I, I, I saw that as uh, at least I thought at the time was uh, a little more liberty oriented. I'm a, kind of one of those Second Amendment kind of guys, mm-hmm. so. Uh, and I've heard every now and again there'll be someone on the radio show talking about Virginia gun laws. And actually, it's uh, it's pretty open here. We're one of those shall issue states. Uh, we're an open carry state. So is New Hampshire on both of those. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Because yeah. you frequently see folks with uh, the Glock hanging off their belt in Walmart, you know, strolling around. And, uh, local cops, state cops, usually, at least down on our end, don't make uh, that big of a deal out of it. That's a good um, thing, because when they do make a big deal out of it, it can be a, a problem for the uh, person carrying. Oh, so what are your thoughts uh, on yeah. Santorum? Well, I, I always kind of considered him, uh, I, I know poll-wise, he never really made it up there all that high, and he just seemed a bit on the fringe, but that's, that's the first time I ever heard about that. And, uh, I know one of the, uh, don't one of you have some uh, medical training? Is there some issue with carrying, I hate to put it this way, a corpse around like that? Yeah, I do. I'm in medical school right now. And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like the most hygienic thing in the world, for sure. That's why I speculated that there might be even some law against this, you know, because in in a lot of states, it's not legal to bury a dead body in your own yard like you must bury it in a cemetery and stuff. And yeah, I I do think that's a little iffy in terms of hygiene, for sure. Yeah. I, I can buy off on that like a large city, but, you know, you get folks out in the country, uh, Kansas, Wyoming, out in the middle of nowhere, have issues with the family, and you see all kinds of family plots. But that's that's not the part that really got me. It's the, the I guess, laying in, in bed with it. And yeah, you were saying there was just some really kind of that just seemed a little bit beyond the pale of, you know, we have a loss, but... Then the, the the hugging, the kissing, the storing storing your house—it kind of goes on the idea that there might be something seriously wrong with the guy. And this I mean, is psychologically that that's well, it's almost this the whole sleeping with it. It it almost seems like uh, 
a denial of the fact that it wasn't alive anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, or that, yeah. that he wasn't, excuse me, I don't want to call it it because, you know. The child. It, yeah, the child, yeah. Okay. So. And this is what uh, you know. Alan Combs' uh, website is sort of bringing up here. Um, you know, b- mentioned by Mark McKinnon, and it's I, you know when I heard it, I was in the same way. I was like stunned. This wouldn't go on in my family, but I I know that you know we're 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 a little stiff from where I come from, you know. And right. you know, what what is it like for other families? And I know I had a good fr- I had a good friend who was uh, black, and he was talking about the way that they did funerals um, at his house. And I you know I guess it was common to lay a person up for a couple of days in the living room mm. for people to come by and and visit and I've that heard kind of that, thing. Yeah. And I was when I heard this I was stunned. Cor- you know dead dead um death is kind of taboo like especially corpses mm-hmm. you know can be very taboo uh, especially for some people and I realize that a lot of people would would be shocked by this thing about Santorum and and would think it was really uh, kind of strange and unusual. But honestly, I think that there's enough in his policies that want to <laughs> oh, yes. discriminate against certain people and sure. to like the you know the the pro war stuff that really right. um, well, for I'm me looking, is certainly enough to disc- you know kind of discredit him as someone that I'm not lo- trying know. to discredit him f- over this. What I'm trying to do is kind of figure out what do people because this is a topic I've never heard talked about on talk radio is yeah. what do people do about death in their family? How do they handle this? And it's yeah. it's, I, I it's very interesting. Almost, yeah, I could almost accept that. If it was a you know a one two year old child yeah that uh, they had been taken care of for quite a while and there was an accident uh, some you know sudden out of the blue kind of thing but. Yeah. It, it doesn't take – all anybody ever has to be as a parent to know what it's like to experience at least yeah. briefly the death of a child because that's oh, your yeah. biggest fear. Is, uh, you know, you're constantly scared of that as a parent, and you think about what would life be like, and, and it's you know, it, it But it sounds be like tragic. she was kind of prepared for it, too, because she knew that the pregnancy wasn't um, progressing well. Jay, thanks for the call. You can call in, too, at 855-450-3733 here on Free Talk Live's Live Sunday edition. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Talk Live, 855-453. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about, 855-450-3733. We were talking about a situation where um, Rick Santorum, presidential candidate, was dealing with a death in his family um, a couple, you know, quite a few years ago and, and how that was and just how different families deal with death and what folks think about it because – you know, people have different thoughts on this. How does one deal with a, a death in the family? Does one, um, in this case, he uh, took the body of a 20-week-old.
child um, that was uh, infant. Infant. Yeah. Uh, I'd call it an infant. Yeah. Briefly lived a couple of hours, and uh, they they took it home, slept with it, uh, sang lullabies, uh, introduced it uh, the, the the body to the, the kids to the siblings. Yeah, I don't even know how to you know the terminology. I don't want to use the wrong pronouns here. I want to yeah. be um, you know sort of understanding. I know that different families deal with things differently. I get it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I've got to say I was just gobstopped by the uh, the idea here. I was stunned when I heard it, and I <laughs> and I I feel like the political process uses situations like this to pit groups against each other because this yeah. would be easy to say well, that's just weird, and I don't know. I wanted to find out what other people thought at the same time. Wow. Well, I mean, if I was going to pick on someone, I don't think I'd do it for. a a death in their family. It or, does seem, yeah. It, does it, seem, it seems like something that, like, maybe we shouldn't touch. But again, like I said in the last segment, well, I'm not definitely, touching it for that reason. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm asking questions. I just want to know what people think about it. Okay, um, fair yeah. enough. But I, mean, I, I still say, think his policies are right? stink. Yeah. I'm not trying to say don't vote for Rick Santorum because of uh, what uh, a tragedy that went on in his uh, family's life and how he dealt with it. Yeah. I'm trying to say don't vote for if, if you want me to to make a stand on Rick Santorum and voting for him. I say don't vote for him because. But it's sad. But it's sad about the you know put America back in time. But but yeah, for that's just it though, Mark. For the Americans out there who support him and then are going to hear this story and think, oh, well, that's weird that he took his deceased infant home and slept with it, you know, and I'm not going to vote for him because of that. Like, why aren't they questioning his policies and like the fact that he's really pro-war and and anti-gay? It doesn't make sense. Indeed. Well, now that the holidays have come and gone, it's time to get serious about uh, your New Year's resolutions. For 2012, resolve to protect your most valuable asset, your family. Daily, we hear about all the crazy things happening around the world, whether it's unemployment or food shortages, natural disasters, just to name a few. For my preparation, I recommend wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious, ready-made meals, all kinds of different ones, cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff are a couple of examples. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had several different ones, and they're all you know, tasty. <laughs> um, they're prepackaged in individual metal mylar pouches that carry a 25-year shelf life. They come in a convenient plastic tote. looks like a, like a three-gallon bucket kind of thing with a lid, and you can put it in your garage or basement. It'll be safe there for you for when you need it, when your family needs it. If they need it, it's good insurance to have. It's not like it's terribly costly. Insurance costs a lot more than this. And um, you can just go to wisefoodstorage.com and request a free entree sample. Use coupon code FTL. Get your free entree sample for a limited time. You can use the same coupon code to get no-cost shipping when you decide to order. Or you can call them at 855-FOODWISE. It's 855-FOODWISE. Wisefoodstorage.com. Coupon code FTL. That's FTL as in Free Talk Live, the program that you are listening to. And um, Stephanie, there's another odd little article I ran across to mm. this week. Um, this one disturbs me. Yeah. yeah. So because, is- uh, so I'm uh, a little familiar with this, but, you know, uh, it's kind of become a, a little. I don't know, stereotype or meme like on Free Talk Live is that I'm some kind of a man-hating feminist or something like that. And I've always said a lot, I think, that I, that I just don't like double standards. And mm-hmm. to me, this article seems like a clear double standard, but it's in this case, it's a bias against a boy. And this is why it's uh, particularly news. But um, this is from uh, WinkNews.com. Wink is a station, a radio station, television station group down in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. An online video shows a prank some would say went too far. 
three young girls from Dunbar Middle School videotaped themselves tackling an 11-year-old boy and taking off his clothes. All of them. The group can be heard laughing at times and mocking the boys. He struggled to break free. He, uh, He stopped to chat with his friends, and they thought it would be funny, said the boy's mother. The child, who we're not identifying as a fifth grader at uh, Ray Potroff Elementary, his mother says that she only found out about the video when her older son, who goes to school with the girls, um, said that his friends had seen the video online. So the uh, the young... oh my gosh! So they vi- not only videotaped themselves doing this, but also put it online. Yes, that's wow. Th- that's, this is this is done a lot um, yeah. with these uh, with pranks and things. That's just awful. I mean, speaking as someone who was like bullied a lot in school. And I mean, they didn't have like the ability to put it on YouTube then, sure. but you know, it could be awful and it was awful for everybody, not just me. Yeah. And it was like that, you know, kids would just find something to make fun of you for. It didn't matter. They'd like, they'd make fun of your name, your hair, yeah. your shoes, your glasses, like whatever they could find. <laughs> that, that much is true. You know, my last, uh, my, my real name in real life is Edgington, not mm-hmm. Mark Edge. Um, I just shortened it up in order to, uh, to, to make things easier. Mark and, Edge. Yeah. It's, um, but you know, I remember being in like kindergarten or first grade and some kids trying out the the joke of calling me Mark Edgington. He weighs a ton or something like that. Um, right. What? I've wow, always been a, a skinny child. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just it would have been I suppose it might have been worse and more painful if I had been fat. But I never yeah. was. I mean, it was always one of the thinner ones um, in the group. So it's just you're right. Kids mm-hmm. will try to find anything in order to make fun of. Um, and this is just a. a, a prank situation here yeah but this is just uh, to me like we haven't even gotten far into the article yet but to me this is just um just over, an, an example of hazing you know like yeah. which goes on in the schools and m- maybe not hazing like for this boy to get into a club or something but the just the idea that um it's it's a school is an environment where it's so condoned and it's so okay for like some people to be on top and other people to be on the bottom. And it's just this like very hierarchical structure where somebody always has to win and someone else has to lose. And there's just, there's not much like egalitarianism. There's not much real consideration of the kids um, preferences and desires. Like they don't get to choose what to study. They don't get to choose when to go to the bathroom. They don't really get to choose much at all. Uh, right. And if they, you know, if they're bored by what they're supposed to be being taught in school, they can't just get up and leave. They can't get up and do something else. Um, they, they, they have to sit still or else they'll probably be diagnosed with like ADHD or something. <laughs> right. Cause they're a problem to the teachers. But, you know, I think when kids are constantly treated like that for a long time, they kind of get it in their heads that, okay, this is the way it's supposed to be. Someone's supposed to win. And the person who's supposed to win is like the bigger, stronger person who's more, uh, who's on the top of the ladder. And so I can be sort of on the top of the ladder if I push other kids around. I suppose, know? I mean, it's it's a way to sort of diagnose this and, that, and it, it could be true. I don't know. But what for me this ends up doing, and this is a situation where three girls strip and mock a uh, five-year-old. Yeah, that's cruel. That's and very cruel. the police did initially bring charges, but then they charges were dropped when the uh, mother um, did not want to refuse to press charges. Now, I'd like to point well, that's out that's not going to help Florida, anybody where I'm very familiar with the law. Mm. You don't need somebody to press charges. If the cops really wanted to hold uh, charges against these girls, they could do that. Mm-hmm. Now, the mother saying that she didn't want charges brought 
is powerful in this circumstance, and I'm glad the police aren't doing it. Um, but I'm, I would also like to point out the that a couple, a few months ago, there was a situation where a, a young man uh, did a prank in his high school where he put an inflatable doll. I don't think you, an inflatable woman uh, doll um, in the girls' locker room. It wasn't even inflated; it was just in the box, mm-hmm. and. He received a felony charge for this. Now, this oh, was wow. a misdemeanor for these girls, um, and this one of these girls in this circumstance, and then it was dropped. Mm-hmm. And I really, I'm just asking the audience out there to consider what would the charge be if four mm. middle school, excuse me, three middle school boys, yeah. young men, uh, decided to take a, an elementary girl's clothes off. Yeah. Um, and would this would this prank then be not such a prank, but more so a sexual assault? Would yeah. these young men have? Oh, I think it would be. Absolutely. I think, I think that it's, it's fair and, to say. You know, this is one of the important double standards and biases against men in society is it's that huge. they are encouraged like not to show any feelings, especially, unless it's anger, like anger is a acceptable but they're in- encouraged to just oh tough it out you know you all oh, you, you boys don't cry that kind of thing and what well, g- gosh if some three girls were tackling you and stripping all right. your clothes they're off, bigger than him and it's yeah. significantly bigger and they were picking on somebody who's weaker and, and it's sad but another cultural bias is that um Men are sexual predators. Yep. And women are these chaste little creatures. And well, and the flip side objects. of yes, well, and the flip side of the the bias against men showing any emotions and being tough, right? Is is the idea that women are like just so fragile that they can't handle anything and they have to be protected and stuff. So which, which neither of those is entirely, you know, is accurate, I don't yeah, think. I, I'm interested if people think that um, it makes sense. It, it doesn't make sense that women and girls are treated differently in this area because there are many people out there that would say exactly that, that it's uh, that it's important uh, that uh, women, you know, have the, uh, the power. I, I certainly don't like the idea that, that boys, you know, should be treated differently. Uh, if they're beat up, they shouldn't get attention for that. I mean, that's... That's crazy. 855-450-3733 here on Free Talk Live. It's 855-450. Free Talk Live. 855-450-free. It's a live New Year's Day edition of Free Talk Live. Yeah. How how much live radio is there out there today? I can't imagine there's too much on a Sunday <laughs> and New Year's Day can't can't be too much. You can call in at 855-450-3733. We'll talk to you about what what it is you want to talk about. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. We also talk about well, issues that uh, come up for us and and um, you know how they strike us. So 855-450-3733. Stephanie, we got an email um, this week that uh, that I thought was uh, worth bringing up. We have talked in the past about the death penalty and um, you know some of the some of the reasons sort of uh, against. I, mean, I suppose there's some for this but, was just like uh, right before you left for your trip, right, Mark? Right. And, yeah, uh, we've talked about it in the past on, on a couple of occasions. Yes, but this one's written by. Uh, um, a gentleman who uh, signs his letter Iran, longtime listener in Iran. So. He says, this is a uh, regular FTL listener from Iran. And by now, you probably have heard about uh, this guy who burned an elderly woman to death in an elevator in New York City. Oh, gosh. Because he claims that she owed him $2,000. I actually did not hear about that until he brought it up. I had heard the story. Yep. Okay. Um, He confessed, and the security tape is available. 
And then he links to the news story. And, uh, you know, certainly it's a tragic uh, circumstance, no doubt about it. I'm curious to know what uh, to know how you would argue against the death penalty for this man. Maybe you, and I guess it's right into Stephanie in particular, I, I was thinking it was to me, but, uh, you know, you and Mark uh, talk about it on your uh, next Sunday show. Please uh, don't say that this man should be put to work to pay the family of that woman and make them whole. I'd, uh, I don't know uh, about you, but all the money in the world could not mitigate my rage a bit if she was my mom. Many thanks to you and Mark for the, the great conversations. Longtime listener in Iran. Okay, well... I appreciate his email, but yep. he doesn't get to tell us what to say. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're saying that don't don't say that's right, what you're referring to. Right. So, I mean, I agree that there's it, it would be pretty much impossible to ever make someone whole from a situation like that. However, I also don't think that killing this perpetrator would do any, you know, would would make someone whole either. And, you know, I've, I think that this is I think this is true, like uh, to some extent that uh, the family and I don't you see. I don't know what it's like to have a family member killed, but I'm going to speculate that even after the person is executed, you still hate them. Yes, that's what my supposition is. And it is. doesn't make that hate go away. And some of my thoughts on, um, you know, this in this the circumstances, a if you executed everybody who confessed, would that not incentivize people not to confess? Yeah. If you only exercise the death penalty for people that you're absolutely certain of in, say, the circumstance where there was video um, and, you know, sometimes people can be mistaken in video. But, you know, there's video and, and or a confession or something like this. Absolute certainty. Now, mind you, that should be the criteria for how the death penalty is used in the United States already. But it's not. But it's not. I mean, because people, you know, they've had 200 people released from death row since the mid-70s. And um, so therefore, you know, this criteria that's supposed to be certainty, and it's it's beyond a reasonable doubt, Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be, you know, relative certainty, but beyond a reasonable doubt is uh, what these people have been sentenced uh, to death for. Yeah. And... It's not working. So it hasn't that hasn't worked as a uh, as a way to do it. And you know, maybe. OK, here's here's some food for thought. Um, maybe this case is completely ironclad and there is no doubt that this person committed I think that's this pretty crime. Sa- reasonably and, safe to say. Yeah. So he's giving an example of, of a case, case where it is very clear. Yes. And, you know, uh, maybe uh, for a case like this, um, like you said, Mark. You wouldn't lose any sleep of some right. over now, someone I'll say like it again. this being. I'm not going to lose any sleep if this person gets the uh, gas chamber. I won't. However, if we allow the state to have the power, the state which is imperfect, bureaucratic, uh, bungles everything it touches, uh, including important jobs, if we allow the state to have the power to kill people and to do this, then there are going to be innocent people who are caught up in it. And we know that from the Innocence Project, who has said that sure. there has been, like you said, Mark, um, you know, two two hundred plus people exonerated from death row. If we allow uh, the state or any organization the uh, the power to imprison people or whatever, there's still there are going to be mistakes. Now, yes. the reason I don't like the death penalty is because you can't undo the mistake, and I think a lot yes. of people understand that. Yeah. Um, you know, imprisonment you can undo, you can try to make reparations, you can do all kinds of different things. Death. Not easy to do reparations for because the person is dead. Now, um, and that's I, the sort of the, the same thing about, um, you know, why people, you know, like the death penalty is because you can't make the victim whole um, and, you know, you, eye for an eye, that kind of thing. But 
a lot of the people that support the death penalty would also claim to be uh, you know Christian types or religious types, mm-hmm. and I would question to me. As the probably one of the very as a select few people who are listening right now um, in this conversation, I am one of the very few that has spent nearly a decade in prison. So I can speak to something that most folks can't speak to. And that is prison stinks right now, Mm -hmm. today. Prison stinks. They don't need to put bamboo shoots underneath your fingernails and force you to chew tinfoil. It stinks. And what make what stinks about it is the wanting to be free, mm-hmm. the desire to be free, the, uh, the 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 dejected feeling you have when you know it's going to be a very long time till you're free, if ever. Mm-hmm. I spent time in prison with men who knew they were never going to see the light of day. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to them and I understand what that's like for them. And it's a punishment. Like there's no doubt about it. It's sure. a punishment for what they've done. Many people would suggest that uh, you know, say say a person commits a you know heinous crime like this. Uh, you know, asks Jesus for forgiveness, uh, gets executed, and then goes to heaven. If you really want to punish that person, wouldn't you want to keep them in jail longer rather than sending them off to heaven right away? I mean, I don't. I can't really make the argument too particularly well because I don't believe. Um, I don't believe in hell particularly. Sure. I I do believe in an afterlife, but uh, people will get what you're saying. I think. Yeah, I now, think that they will. Now, can I bring up another scenario? Um, This is important. In New York, as well as in a lot of big cities and other places, um, people are really not um, permitted to defend themselves with firearms. Okay. Right? Um, So there is maybe a death penalty, although not a state death penalty, that I could um, condone, which is that if this lady were allowed to uh, the right to defend herself, you know, by carrying a firearm, Mm -hmm. and some crazy... Uh, person is coming at her with a flamethrower saying you owe me two thousand dollars and i'm gonna kill you i i you know it's pretty clear to me in that circumstance that her life is in immediate and present danger sure and that the best solution there's not much else she could do if she's in an elevator right except use lethal force to defend herself gotcha so in that case i i could wouldn't have much to say about it you know because it is ac- absolutely clear that her life is under threat and there's no way she can really remove herself from the situation or stave it off. So what else is she going to do? Another point I'd like to make up on the, the death penalty here, um, and this is uh, you know, basically two reasons were the, were, that I was dissuaded from the death penalty. And I used to be a pro-death penalty guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I guess there's a, th- uh, a third reason. Mm-hmm. A. It is not effective as a deterrent. You can see that states yes, uh, states true. that uh, have the death penalty don't have you know there's there's no uh, you know clear demarcation between states that have the death penalty and states that don't have the death penalty when it comes to murder rates. It, there's really no correlation. And these policies whatever. are not made made based on empirical evidence anyway. No, political. these policies are just you know people that say it's bad. You bad. What right. would you feel like if you know this happened to you? And you know I feel really 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 mad. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about it. I don't want to mitigate how I would feel. The other thing um, that I, I realized is that the state makes mistakes. When 200 people have been released from death row since the 70s, that means that somebody who was innocent was executed. That means that you're executing innocent people in order to prevent people from killing innocent people. You're killing innocent people in order to prevent people from killing innocent people. And it's crazy. That's mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. And a third, and I think this is an important point, is it costs more than 10 times the amount of money to take care of somebody who's been sentenced to death than it does to take care of somebody who's sentenced to life because they don't 
have all the appeals and that kind of thing. Being in prison, it's, it's not cheaper to kill them. It's significantly more expensive to yeah. kill them. And my question would be, why should I, as a person who don't believe, don't believe that, the, um, that this is particularly effective, be forced to pay for that? Yes. Mm-hmm. 855-450-3733. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Do you want to do something that will impact the world in a positive way? Do you have a skill or ability that could help advance human freedom? Introducing the Freedom Engineers. Freedom Engineers are a cadre of builders, coders, designers, funders, and more from around the unfree world who are right now collaborating on the technologies and enterprises that will build the free future. Join a growing network of inspired individuals to get the help you need to complete your radical idea, or jump in and lend a hand with exciting projects already in motion. Go to freedomengineering.org to get connected. Sign up for the free newsletter and check out the Freedom Engineering blog to hear the latest about what's happening behind the scenes. freedomengineering.org. It's time to build freedom. Live eight fifty five four fifty three. I got the I got the telephone number right this time. Yay. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. That's what happens when you put a guy like me in charge. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. We were uh, uh discussing in the last uh, segment a well a situation where um a, a, a woman was burned to death in New York City. By a man, it was caught on video. He confessed to it, and uh, a listener wrote in an email, just uh, sort of questioning our stance on the um, the death penalty in in light of a circumstance where a person is clearly guilty. Yes. Now, I'm going to say that this is one of those situations where guilt appears to be just about as clear as it could possibly be. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know, I think that these I, I think that these this, this is a great example. I mean, I want I want to talk about this and I'm glad that uh, you brought it up real quick. If you're looking for camping, hunting or shooting gear, manventureoutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment. If you're having trouble finding ammunition, you can go there to uh, manventureoutpost.com. They'll get it shipped to you right to your door and you'll get some of the best rates you can possibly find on the Internet. They're uh, family-owned and operated, members of in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. You can get it 5% off additionally with coupon code FTL. It's manventureoutpost.com, coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. So um, a listener from Iran, actually, um, Iran, we should say, Iran. <laughs> um, you can say it however you want, Mark. <laughs> wrote in, uh, showing my redneck roots, Iran. Um <laughs> Just uh, you know, sort of asking. That's where the Arabs are from, right? That's right. I, I, actually, they're Persians. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Arabs live in Iraq. Um, oh, gosh. Wow. We're we're totally kidding, by the way. I hope the listener doesn't hear that and get it offended. What? Oh, the, you, using the the country accent. Yeah, we're oh, we're, we're just kidding. 
I'm sure they wouldn't have a problem with Arab, just to, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, see, he was, I can see why folks like the death penalty. I used to be a death penalty proponent myself. Mm-hmm. I believed that, um, you know, look, sometimes in society you've got rabid dogs. What do you do with a rabid dog? You take it out and you shoot it. And from that standpoint, okay, I get from a uh, sort of societal culling standpoint, uh, getting rid of uh, people that are, uh, you know, in, in such in so flawed that they don't have an opportunity to, um, to to do their deed any longer. But what convinced me um, against the death penalty, and I really think that this is an issue of education, and I think it's important that uh, if people are willing to listen to the facts surrounding uh, the death penalty, that they'll hear that it is just it just doesn't make much sense. Um, in this circumstance, he was, uh, you know, well, what about a circumstance where somebody's definitely, definitely guilty? And like I've said before, I don't lose any sleep over it. I'm not losing any sleep over people who are, you know, uh, convicted murderers, you know, obvious, obvious uh, murderers that uh, have done their deed and, you know, getting the death penalty that especially the particularly heinous ones that doesn't um, that that's, you know, that I, I'm, I'm not losing sleep. That's the way I like to, to best phrase it. However, what my concern is, is that. It costs significantly more to enact the death penalty than it does just life imprisonment. I think personally, as somebody who spent nearly a decade in prison myself, that the punishment of prison, life in prison may very well be worse Worse, than the death penalty. And one has to ask oneself, what do you think about death? If you think that death um, is just the end of life, then, well, isn't, uh, you know, not suffering in prison Better than suffering in prison? That would be what death is, right? If death is the opportunity... Some prisoners try to kill themselves as a way out. The Mm. opportunity to go on to... And many many are successful. uh, Is death the opportunity to go on to a better life in heaven? You're giving them ample opportunity to ask Jesus for forgiveness. Uh, They're certainly sitting there on death row. They're likely, you know, the old foxholes, no atheists and foxholes adage. Likely they'll, uh, you know, they'll come around to whatever, you know, they need to come around to. And then aren't you just sending them off to heaven quicker and relieving them of their punishment in both of these circumstances? If you think that um, the punishment is appropriate for these folks, I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, I know that you're... I like your point before, Mark, about why should people be forced to pay for these executions that they may disagree with, you know, or, or may agree with, but it's, you know, it's, it's still, they're still being forced to pay for it. And in the circumstance where someone confesses, and this is what you'll often hear, um, by the way, there are uh, many, many circumstances where you can talk about people making fake confessions. False confessions. They're 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 coerced coerced into a confession. They didn't do it. And it's proven later. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, incredibly difficult to get out of a crime that you've confessed to that you didn't do. But it happens. Um, You know, the evidence is just so preponderously large. They didn't do it. And, you know, they're able to prove it later. But aren't you disincentivizing somebody confessing? I mean, don't we want murderers to confess to their crime if they're more scared of death than they are of life in prison which i think that a lot of people are because otherwise we wouldn't have the death penalty if people were scared of life in prison more than they're scared of the death penalty then we'd have life in prison as the the, the highest crime and the death penalty would be some kind of relief from that it wouldn't exist because it doesn't would make any sense um so aren't we incentivizing disincentivizing people from confessing don't we want people to confess to their crimes so hmm. what sense does the death penalty make in even the circumstance where we know the person did the crime? It doesn't 
result in um, it doesn't deter crime. I mean, no, we could, it, it doesn't deter crime. The, yeah. the, all the statistics show that in states that and it gives the state a, a very dangerous power, in my opinion. But you know, there, Mark, there state, are lots. Of, the state has the power to kill. I've, I I don't think that that is a particularly motivating uh, point. Is well, that the state having the state has the power for to me. kill other? Well, right, but you don't want the <laughs> you don't want the state to have the power to kill anyone. But the state already has the power to kill. It has the power to commit war. It has the of course the power to execute. And um, you know now now Obama has uh, claimed the power to just. Uh, Name someone guilty and execute them. Oh yes, no matter and where we they may are. So talk about a, that tonight too. This yeah. is a new uh, power of the state, but you know, I mean, people—that's what states do. States are mechanisms of violence. So I don't think that that's particularly motivating to people. That's so. Well, do we really want a government that kills its citizens? Well, well they I mean, already do. The, yeah, I, can, I guess I can see citizens, your point. But I don't even believe in citizenship. No. I think that we're actually serfs of the yeah, government. Yeah, it's more like it. So, you know, I tend to not want to use this term citizen. And mm-hmm. by that, let me let me explain what a citizen is. A citizen, according to, I think it's Black's Law Dictionary, is a person who owns a duty of allegiance for an obligation of protection. Who owes, right? Yes. You owes, said owns. Owes. Oh, I meant, okay. to, meant to say owe if I said owns. Gotcha. Um, owes a uh, duty of allegiance for an obligation of protection. That means that the government has an obligation to protect you. Um, whereas in the United States, and I suspect many governments around the world, but I can only tell you about yeah. the United States, the Supreme Court has ruled over and over and over and over again that the government doesn't have any obligation to protect you. Sure. If it did have an obligation to protect you, every time protect you every time you got burglarized, they'd have to write you a check for the lost stuff. Well, it, it goes kind of beyond that. I mean, they there have been cases where there have been. Uh, I believe the one that brought this to the Supreme Court was this woman who was being like raped and raped she multiply over this she called actually a couple of women and, okay and she called they called 911 yeah and, the, and they the, didn't come they didn't come that's right and the supreme court ruled in favor of the cops not coming ergo since the government has no obligation of protection therefore you have uh, you know you just have a duty of allegiance you're not a citizen you're a serf 855-450-FREE free talk live 855-450-3733 Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. Live New Year's Day edition of Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about, 855-450-3733. The state owns the land, but they don't own the water. To be free today, you need a boat. Not just any boat, a life yacht. A life yacht is a stable catamaran as big as a house that purifies its own water generates its own power, grows its own food, and has a shallow draft to be able to get a four-wheel drive car or SUV ashore. With a life yacht, you could live free of nearly any government intrusion and have a seashore seashore home (laughs) anywhere in the world. I knew when I wrote that. She could sell seashells by the seashore. (laughs) I knew I was in trouble once I wrote that, uh, when I wrote, wrote this copy. If the government gives you any trouble, you weigh anchor and head off to a new place. Or you can live in the same place for years on end. Uh, you could actually buy a little piece of shoreland, park there. I imagine most places would allow you to pull that off. You can be involved for as few as, few as $1,000 and the commitment of as little as eight months. Find out more at ericksoncouncil.com. Again, it's ericksoncouncil.com. This is a, a great idea, and I think it's uh, groundbreaking and could be... Uh, 
could be uh, changing for the the liberty movement. It's ericsoncouncil.com. So let's go to the phones and to the fun. It is Kelvin in Colorado. Kelvin, you're on with Mark and Stephanie. What's on your mind? Hey, good evening, Mark and Stephanie. Happy New Year. (laughs) You too, Kelvin. Happy Arbitrary Day and uh, Earth's Travel Around Its Star. No, now who's Bah Humbug? (laughs) (laughs) My my thoughts exactly, but it's traditional. (laughs) That's what you Uh, say to all the people with hangovers. Happy New Year. Say it loud, too. (laughs) Happy New Year! (laughs) Uh, Lucky for me, I don't have one. Okay. That's um, what you mind, Kevin. So I wanted to, to ask you, Mark, and I, I understand if you you know don't really want to get into this, and that's fine. I talk about something else. But uh, I've never actually own, known anyone who's been to prison. Okay. All I've seen is like this stuff, like in the movies the and everything. Movies, that it's sure. Like extremely, extremely violent, and men are getting raped and stabbed with improvised mm-hmm. weapons and uh-huh. all this kind of stuff. Right. I'm wondering, did you? Were you in a state or federal prison, and what was your experience of the, you know, physical dangers of of being there? Okay, I was in a state prison, state prison in Florida, that would have been des- that was designated at times to be the most violent prison in the state of Florida wow. by levels of, of, of incident, not by the sort of the by quantities of incident, not by the levels of those incidents. So, um, this was a youthful offender prison where, and youthful offenders tend to have a little more energy than say uh, your the, the adult <laughs> prisoners, and and they would often use that energy to pound on each other with things. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that most of the things that I've seen, I try not to watch prison movies and, and things because I just, it doesn't make me feel good. I don't like it. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, know. I don't blame you for that. Uh, yeah, probably to some extent like a war vet who doesn't watch war movies. Um, but, I, you know, what the things that I have seen, by the way, I, I saw Shawshank Redemption and it freaked me out. <laughs> um, so... You know, like that was the that was like the last time I saw that shortly after getting out of prison. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to watch this stuff. But I've seen commercials for things like Oz and Lockup and things like that. And the I would say that most of the things that you see in one of those one hour specials happened while I was in prison. But I was in prison for almost nine years. So it is rel- it's a relatively boring and humdrum place most of the time and punctuated with uh, with incidences of uh, you know sheer terror. Um, you know, cert- there were certainly incidences that uh, occurred while I was in there. A man was uh, beaten to death with a um, horseshoe pit stake, you know, oh. the, the metal bar oh, um, no. that was wow. in there and, uh, you know, was beaten to death with Ugh. that. Uh, another man had his ear bitten off and ah. I was actually involved in that circumst- certain circumstance because the guy who had his beer it- ear bitten off and his beer itten off, um, he, <laughs> um, he had stolen some stuff out of my canteen cage. I worked for the, uh, the staff, uh, the staff canteen and, mm-hmm. um, I was the staff canteen operator and, I guess um, another inmate um, had uh, told me that that had happened, who had done it. And I told, you know, the, the officers, hey, this guy stole from me. And, and so basically the first guy, uh, my friend Johnny, was labeled a snitch by that guy. And uh, that guy came to beat Johnny up and Johnny bit his ear off um, oh, and, wow. uh, you know, went, went right to work on him. And, you know, so there were some really violent incidences. Yeah. I believe I was listened to a man get raped in the dormitory that oh, I was no. living in. Oh, I'm not 100% sure of what I heard, okay? Um, mm. So, but it never happened to me, and I weighed 130 pounds when I went into prison, and mind you, I'm a beautiful man. And uh, so, 
you know, by all accounts, I should have been raped in that circum- certain circumstance. And I think that they look for people that are of weak will, not of weak bodies. Um, that's, you know, that that's what I think there. I think that they play up the violence aspect because there's threats of violence sort of all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, they don't always culminate in violence. I find the found the very worst thing. And uh, since I was in nine years, I got to see an evolution of the prison system to some extent. Mm-hmm. It went from a more violent place to a less violent, more controlled place. But I found the more controlled prisons, and I think that they've got even more so this way um, since I've left. I'm certain they have. I found the more controlled environment to be even worse because mm-hmm. they, you know, having the officers screaming at you while you're eating your, your meal to get out of here. You got three minutes, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, um, it just it just makes life even more miserable. Sure, yeah. um, so, I mean, you can you can learn to live in an environment where there's uh, uh, you can learn to get along sort of in a violent prison environment. But, um, you know, it's you're always going to have. And this is supposed you. to make people good afterwards. Right. right? Take bad people, treat them badly, house them with other bad people and let them go and expect them to be good. It's it makes crazy. no sense. I mean, yeah. that's what the prison system is, and it and it's uh, absolutely weird. Any other questions on that, Calvin? Or have I? Uh... I have a question, actually. Okay, then go right I don't ahead. Know if Calvin does, but I want to know how true is it? Like the stereotype, uh, you see this a lot in movies where there are like racial gangs and stuff, and mm-hmm. and uh, race based violence in prisons. How, what was your experience? Of I'd that? say that that was very true in the Florida prison system. I can only speak to the prison that I was in. Um, I mean, you know, the, to be a white inmate, I was a minority of like. Um, you know, there were like, you know, with of other other ethnicity, ethnicities to white, it was like five to one. Now, the other ethnicities don't group themselves together. But I mean, you can kind of get this feeling of being, you know, a, a tiny minority. Sometimes it was as low as seven to one. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I do think that that's that's the case. And I think that some people some people of, of ethnic origins probably say, you know, I don't like the way white people treated me and I'm going to take it out on these white inmates as if we had anything to do with it. Um, and I think that I, I think that there's yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, racial stereotypes. Um, often there will be some uh, regional stereotypes, uh, regional not I shouldn't say stereotypes, but regional clicking like people from yeah. uh, Jacksonville won't like people from Tampa and that kind of thing. Um, but most. Mostly it was race based. Mm. And so, you know, when you're in there for a period of time, I'm going to, you know, in the light of the Ron Paul bigotry claims out there, I'm going to say that at one point in my life, I was a bigot. I certainly was. Um, You know, I I was faced with racism on a daily basis and I shallowly decided that I would counter with more racism. And I don't think that that's a way to solve that problem. But I know what it's like to be a bigot now. And I'm glad that I have that kind of experience. Um, And, you know, I don't have it anymore. Yeah, that's great. Kelvin? Hello. Uh-oh. Sounds like there's a there's a there's a call issue there. Kelvin, <laughs> you can call back in um at 855-450-3733. And uh, you know, I, I, I as far as talking about uh, prison, I know people find it as a compelling topic. I don't have any problem talking about uh, you know, what went on for me in prison. I would say it's probably more boring than, than some Oh, some I I, I don't find it boring. At all. But I mean, I'm I would like to say, Mark, that I'm glad that you're out and that you have your life together now. You seem like you're very, very happy now. Yeah. You know, the I think a lot of most inmates, as I understand it, 
tend to go back in and back in and back yeah. in. You know, you have the, the the choice after your sort of your first conviction, um, your statistic. If you go in for that second time, you're much more statistically likely to sort of cycle in and, and do uh, life on the installment plan, as they called it. Sure. Um, the system is rigged against people, though. I mean, it's I, like it's very easy to get a violation of probation or something like that. I suppose it is. I spent a little little tiny bit of time on probation. Um, you mm. know, I think that you've got to make choices for yourself in this life, too. And empowering. I, I want to be empowered in that. 855-450-FREE. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many years. You know that crap's going to kill you, right? There's a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth. No smell. No secondhand smoke. You could use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. We might be able to squeeze you in here in the last segment of the live New Year's Day edition of Free Talk Live with Mark and Stephanie. 855-450-3733. Want to tell you real quick about, uh, well, it's uh, shop.freetalklive.com. It's a way to support Free Talk Live while you do the shopping that you would normally do online. If you uh, shop on Amazon or Newegg, uh, these are a couple of, uh, you can support Free Talk Live by going there at shop.freetalklive. Do your shopping. You'll get the same great prices, same great service, same great everything you normally get. Free Talk Live just gets a little cut. It's shop.freetalklive.com. Let's go to back. Uh, Kelvin uh, called back in here. It's Kelvin in Colorado. And Kelvin had asked me uh, some questions about my prison experiences. And uh, then his phone cut out and he didn't really get to follow up. So, Kelvin, uh, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Excellent. I'm glad to be back. Uh, the other thing I was wondering about is the sociological aspects of this. I, I'd heard there's like a lot of codes and things you need to sort of follow uh, and you have to be careful not to give the impression of disrespecting somebody or they might feel obligated to kill you or any, you know, any of this kind of thing. Did you uh, get that feeling or get some understanding of a codes of understanding or different sorts of, you know, if you're not from the street, you don't really know a lot of Kelvin, do you mean like you can't look somebody in the eye or something or you? Well, yeah, if if you do when you're not supposed to, or you don't when you better or, uh, (laughs) You know, who, who knows, you, uh, you know, I don't, there's a, there's a lot of like social conventions that, that we have in the, uh, you know, what you call the, you know, <laughs> the normal world for lack of a better term, but in the street society, they, they have the same sort of thing with a lot of different conventions that you don't know unless you live in that, in that world. And, uh, if you were just dropped into there and Which I was. You know, not knowing what's, what's considered disrespectful and what's not and what you better, you know, not do or you'll be killed for it or et cetera. So I had a couple of circumstances that I could uh, relate to this. I would say largely what you're talking about, no. I would say that mostly it's like taking a bunch of men and sticking them together, especially men that think they're particularly tough. I don't think that there's a whole bunch of conventions, but I can come up with a couple of circumstances that that, uh, you might be able to come up with something. So the uh, first day that I arrived at Brevard Correctional Institution, a little slice of heaven that they called Gladiator School, and um, I was – 
I was assigned to a dog dormitory. Uh, Delta is what they called it, but everybody called it dog dormitory. And um, probably five-letter words were a little much for them, maybe. The um, And I was assigned to a bunk, and that bunk was full, uh, like had three Bibles in it. Now, at the time, I would have called myself an atheist. Um, and there were three Bibles in this, and the, there was a guy in the room with me, of course, and, uh, you know... Um, not a particularly savory fellow. <laughs> and, you know, there's these Bibles in the room. I asked him, are these your Bibles? He's like, no. Um, and I think he might have told me that he put them there from the last guy or like basically the, one of the impressions I got is that maybe one or two of those Bibles he put there just so that I'd have to deal with them. Now, imagine these Bibles are kind of like hot potatoes. <laughs> because you uh, believe, you know, you have sort of this uh, superstitious kind of belief around it, but you may not believe, you know, convicts, not particularly good people, but they have a superstitious belief around religion in a lot of cases. And these are just generalizations I'm drawing. So they're like these hot potatoes. What do you do with a Bible that you don't want to read? Do I just leave it in the drawer and put my stuff around it? Mm. Um, what do I do with it? You know, I just decided I'll take a stand on principle as an atheist here at this time. I uh, took the Bibles, took all three of them, tossed them in the garbage. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, you can't do that. Wow. <laughs> and um, I felt a certain level of threat from him and his uh, friends thereafter, mm. um, you know, for the next uh, couple of days afterwards because of having done this. But... You know, like, and he really, he was really incensed about it. He muttered about it for um, some time. And, you know, wow. I mean, this guy was threatening just by his very being. Yeah. You know, he was sure. uh, probably about five foot two, a uh, Cuban guy with uh, all kinds of tattoos. Among them were like Jesus and Mary. Maybe I should have uh, looked a little, th- little closer at his tattoos at this time. Um, and he was extremely muscular and um, has spent a lot of time on the weight pile at, uh, in prison. Mm. So, you know, just to, his dissatisfaction with my actions uh, were threatening. And, you know, of course, I got in multiple, uh, you know, multiple fights in that first week and didn't do particularly well being 130 pounds. But another circum, but not necessarily with him. He did try to be threatening at one point. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to be either beat me up or you're not? And those are your choices. So another circumstance was you're kind of not allowed to say there was this one guy who um, had some cute kids that would come visit him. And these were cute kids. These kids should have been models. And I said, man, you've got some cute kids. And in prison, you're not supposed to say that somebody else's children are cute because he felt very threatened. He felt like I was saying that uh, I was going to rape his kids. And I'm like, you know, after I saw the look on his face, it's like, no, no, wait, I'm in here for murder. I'm not some kind of pervert. Mm -hmm. And then after that, he was okay with it. But I would say that there was a there's a convention um, in, you know, in prison that you should not, uh, you know, comment on how cute other people's children are. But these kids were just particularly cute kids. (laughs) And so I commented on it. And I at that time, I had been in prison for for years and like I'd, at some point at Brevard Correctional Institution I was the longest term inmate that they'd had there mm-hmm. at all um, and so I, I felt relatively confident in my skin and I wasn't scared to say that to this guy but uh, there could have been circumstances where I had said that to somebody and, and you know not well, you, done well before, shortly after. In, earlier in the show we were talking about basically like double standards against men mm-hmm. and I think one of the biggest ones outside of prison or anywhere yeah. is that if a man shows interest in 
playing with a kid or says that a kid is cute or something like that, people immediately look at him. Now. Yeah, yeah, with a raised eyebrow. Where we are. Yeah. And um, I, I was sitting in a restaurant recently and I was you know, kind of playing with this kid that was behind me, you know, just to making faces at him and talking to him and stuff like that. And his parents seemed OK with it. The person with whom I was sitting among, you know, one of the people with whom I was sitting, she felt obligated to tell these people um, I, that, that I had a three and a half year old. Yeah. Now, you know, and then that sort of a swash. Then that makes it any, okay. Right. It's okay because yeah. I have a kid and this kid's about three and a half and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to like kids once you have one. But, you know, like, can you see, but can you see how that is? I mean. Oh, it, sure. Yeah. I'm just laughing at it because me. it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, this is, it, it's, this is reality. Yeah. So um, it, it just, it just takes that particular reality and amplifies it a little bit. Mm. Do you have any other question, Calvin? Uh, no, but thanks a lot. That was really interesting. And if you care to talk about it some more sometime, I sure hope the listeners be interested. I know people are interested, but I never know what to say about my prison experience. It, it was interesting, Mark. I thought so. But, well, I'm intrigued. You said that, that you you got in a whole bunch of fights the first week. Well, what was that? Just deep. I, I should say a handful. I'd say two or three fights is a lot, right? <laughs> and yeah, I can remember <laughs> in particular um, a, a, a black guy named British Moss. I don't know why in the world uh, someone would name her child British, but she did. And he wanted me to wash his clothing for him. Um, and, you know, this is one of the things that one does to sort of try out exactly how uh, pl- flexible and pliable some new person's going to be. And I refused. So he, before I even saw anything happening, just sort of roundhouse slapped me across the, the like the eye. Oh my and God. it's, um, wow. I, you know, like there was no defense. I, I wasn't prepared for this. So, you know, violence wasn't the way that I had uh, problems solved at that point. Wow. And, you know, I went straight to the ground. Uh, my eye was uh, swollen and, and red, you know, when it gets like that blood in it and that yeah. kind of thing for days and days afterwards. Um, but my stand was, I'm not washing your clothes. You know, like you can, yeah. you know, you can go ahead and hit me, and uh, if you if that's what you want to do, but I'm not washing your clothes. Wow. No, and you know that was successful, right? Like he's not going to be able to get away with slapping me every day, and I probably could have gone and reported him to someone if that's what I'd wanted to do. Uh, but you know, I mean, and as violence tends to do. I moved into more of a role like that. I never, you know, tried to use anybody in that fashion, but I did use violence in order to get my way when I felt that I was in a righteous position um, while in prison years, you know, years later. And I, you know, I, I regret some of these things, but I also understand the reality of, of, of those circumstances. And, um, you know, I've. You're kind of in an impossible situation there. Because it's like, you know, something's bad is going to happen to you either way. So what the heck do you do? Well, I uh, what I ended up doing was uh, claiming to have a drug problem and end, ended up going into sort of the cushier drug treatment program. Um, you know, it was months later, um, mm. but I ended up, you know, getting a dormitory change from there. And then, you know, I mean, it's there. There's there. By the way, were no good dormitories to be in. Uh, they're they're all full of <laughs> dangerous people that uh, you know yeah. that that seem to want to uh, you know treat me poorly. It wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna go well. Well, um, really, you know, it, but being there over a period of time, getting bigger and more comfortable with it was. Yeah, uh, but you the, you wouldn't want to be in solitary confinement like Bradley Manning. I mean, that would have not been better. That, that I think that that'll drive you crazy. They didn't yeah. have solitary confinement where I was. You'd okay. be in confined with another person. I did spend a few days there for saying what seems to be the problem. And apparently I'd said it to an officer, but it was just somebody kicking on a door. I had no idea who it was. Anyway, wow. Kelvin, thanks for the call. Um, been listening. Good night. To- 
Thanks very much. 855-450. What am I giving out the number? You've been listening to Free Talk Live. You can find out more at freetalklive.com. You can download uh, shows there, archives going back for five years. It's freetalklive.com. It's been Mark with you. And Stephanie. Thanks very much.